0: The Southern Middle Tennessee Sports Today podcast is brought to you in part by Columbia Academy, Jones & Lang Sporting Goods, Andy Wilhoyt with United Country Realty, the Law Office of David A. Bates, Custom Stone Handlers, Covenant Technology, Patio West Coastal and Comfort Eats, and Mid-Tennessee Bone & Joint. Mid-Tennessee Bone and Joint treats your orthopedic injuries and existing conditions. Their trained physicians will get you back in the game faster. Contact them today at 931-381-2663 or visit mtbj.net.
1: Sports today with TSWA Hall of Famer Maurice Patton. Here's Chris Yao.
0: Welcome back into Southern Middle Tennessee Sports Day, presented by Mid Tennessee Bone and Joint. Malia Hardy just followed us on Instagram. Thanks, Malia. Super cool. That is cool. It's ten o'clock. Shouldn't he be in class? <laughs> just following folks on Instagram in the middle of the day.
2: <laughs> uh.
0: <laughs> Welcome back into the show on Southern Middle Tennessee Sports represented presented by Mid Tennessee Bone and Joint. We are live on WKOM one oh one seven FM. The I keep forgetting the 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 nickname or the the adjective that Delt gives it. But uh it's one of my favorites and I keep forgetting it. But it's like a it, it has something to do with because we have such a large signal. Flamethrower? It, something like that. Yeah, I think it is a flamethrower. The flamethrower of Southern Middle Tennessee radio stations. We do have quite the reach. Also live on Facebook and on sm-tnsports.com. If you don't have Facebook and you want to watch the show, you can do it on sm-tnsports.com. Facebook Live, Twitter at sm sports. We're on there as well. Got a big show coming up uh, for you the rest of the way. We've got the Braves in this segment. We've got a little bit of Preds. David Ubbin joins us. And, uh, in the next segment to talk about UT football, specifically their quarterback situation, which has just gotten a little bit murkier. Uh, so we'll get to that as well. Um, <laughs> and in segment six, it's, uh, it's NASCAR. I don't know if T. Willie's going to be joining us or not, but we'll figure it out. If he's not, we'll talk a little bit of NASCAR. We'll talk whatever comes our way. Robbie Mathis, who I mentioned yesterday on the show, he, he posed a fantastic question. To me this morning, because we were talking about how Austin Riley's home run wouldn't have gotten out of any other ballpark in Major Leagues, right? What if, like Major League ballparks who have different dimensions, NFL teams could have different dimensions for their end zones? You could have like warning tracks for the end zone, right? Like it could be rounded, it could be 20 yards deep, it could be 8 yards deep, it could be cornered or basketball three point lines could be home home court advantage where you, it has to be like a certain distance away but it could be a little shorter than maybe somebody else's is really far or whatever i just think let's let's be honest here it would be fun <laughs> it would talk about strategy uh, i mean uh, <laughs> no <laughs> I think it's great. I think this is a genius idea. Yeah, but you're Captain Chaos. I am Captain yeah. Chaos. <laughs> so you guys like the the set ten yards, huh?
3: Honestly, I would, and in this kind of goes flies against the tradition of baseball. I would really like to see uniform baseball fields hmm. in a sense. Uh, just of course now you've got because of where the baseball fields are located. Many times that can't be done. I mean, you're afraid, you know, you go to Boston, you're not going to lengthen left field. You're going to run into a lot of problems. You do that uh, and stuff. But uh, if I remember, I wasn't Yankee, you know, the the right field down Yankee Stadium was was built so they could get their home run count up uh, in in a sense. I'm not sure if that's why it was built, but they certainly tailored their team to to
4: it. it. Yeah. Yeah. So. Um,
0: I just thought – I just think it would be fun, uh, maybe in the G League or something else. But it would be it'd be hilarious. Oh, it would like be a, definitely interesting. Like random, <laughs> random three point lines just just curved everywhere. You've got you've got a uh, come out of the corner, and then it's a it's a straight line to the top of the key, and then a rounded line to the
3: edge, and <laughs> just be wild. Or setting up plays to get yourself to a three point shot would be chaos too. <laughs> Wouldn't
0: it? It'd be so great. I would love it. Can you imagine? I mean, you know, you know, like,
3: or that uh, that, that deep fly route from the two yard line, <laughs> right? Uh, Canadian end zones are twenty yards, twenty yards. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I mean, with with a goalpost right in the middle, right in the middle, it. because
0: well, <laughs> this because typically the goalposts are set for American football, yeah. So when you add the ten yards at midfield plus the 10 extra yards on either
3: end of the field you've you know you make some interesting obstacles for the defenders <laughs>
0: doesn't it doesn't it the, the post route the, means yeah the whole new meaning different. to the post
3: route well, not it a was new meaning, it was the, the old meaning it, well yeah it goes back to the old meaning in the uh exactly in the nfl <laughs> so anyway i just thought that was funny uh
4: funny odd well, not I, funny ha, i think it would be
0: hilarious yeah. i think it would be funny ha. ha. Mm. <laughs> if you've got a warning track and a and an end zone that just cuts off <laughs> oh man Braves take on the Diamondbacks today. i can't it, i find it really hard to say D-backs cuz i almost don't say the k uh so
4: yeah so Diamondbacks, I'll just say Diamondbacks. Arizona
0: <laughs> the Braves take on Arizona tonight at 620. Wascar Enoa and Luke Weaver will take to the hill for their respective teams. Wascar Enoa coming off of a terrible outing after two great ones to start the year. So he'll certainly be looking to bounce back and get back into early season form.
4: Yeah, it, it's almost like every start that he makes – is a pivotal one for him just because he's he's in that number 5 spot and you know it could easily just become a a bullpen start if he you know struggles for too many of these so and and given his abilities at at the top end you really want to see him kind of grab a hold of this so
0: yeah i mean he's young you don't want him to to get discouraged you also want him to understand you have confidence in him but also understand if we have to take you out it it's it's okay
4: mm-hmm.
0: you know that's kind of the good thing about him being the five starter is that if a bullpen game is necessary we're prepared for it but if you can give us four or five we appreciate it. So, no pressure to do anything special. just go pitch, and whatever happens happens.
4: I think though that you know all things being equal, you know you would prefer to get you know five six out of that spot as you would any other start, so well, you would and, love to, yeah, yeah, so, but
0: apparently, we don't think Bryce Wilson deserves to be on the in the rotation, you know the guy who his last major league start beat Clayton Kershaw. That guy, I <laughs> anyway, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's kind of, I guess, my biggest issue there. But if you're going to do this with Inoa, then that's the way you have to approach it because, again, he's young mm-hmm. and apparently he's no Ryan Weathers, who is <sighs> apparently better
4: than. <laughs> Every, Bryce, first year. better than Bryce Wilson yeah, among others. Uh, yeah. Apparently, yeah. um, went five and a third scoreless last night against the Dodgers, I believe.
0: And his uh, his first two starts against the Dodgers, um,
4: ten and a third scoreless, I believe.
0: Yeah, let's say. Kelly Kelly retweeted it last night. She said it was uh She said she was a really proud mom, but it's a uh, hard on her
4: heart. <laughs> she's our heart on her nerves. She she sounds like she's been watching um Luke Jackson,
0: right? Um, in his he's faced the Dodgers three times. Half of his career appearances, he's ten and two thirds. No runs, two hits, ten Ks, five walks.
4: They hate to see that guy coming. <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> Last night went five and two thirds. One hit, no earned runs. One walk, six Ks. Um. Uh, it's and then the fielding of the bunt or the not the bunt it the, the swinging, the swinging bunt, bunt yeah was just fantastic. I mean, kids, kids, great, wow, just that's that's when you go. And, and the hard part for us is one. I guess it's a, a positive is that he plays for the the Padres because it's not like Mookie who plays for the Dodgers and it's like you got to root for him under the under your <laughs> wing. under the radar, but. <laughs> But for these guys who are rivals with the Dodgers just as much as we are, I can kind of root for the Padres because they have not only Ryan Weathers, but Robert Hassel III is in their organization as well. And so kind of becoming a closet Padres fan. And it's not so closeted.
4: (laughs) It's really tough to grasp that, what, four springs ago, three springs ago, we were watching him and Alex Huey Mm -hmm. hook horns over – Smith Field and going into the 12th scoreless with a state championship on the line he's
0: that was that was probably a game that a lot of people wish they hadn't been able to see I didn't even know it was a thing didn't know who the two kids were I had no idea because I mean'm I'm, I'm new here I'd whatever but Goodness gracious!
4: I'm betting that there are a lot more people who will say that they were there? saw that game <laughs> than saw that game. If ten, you know what I mean,
3: ten thousand people say they went into an eight thousand per person stadium. <laughs> yeah, something like that.
4: Yeah. So, again, Braves open a seven game home stand tonight against the Arizona Diamondbacks. Six uh, six twenty first pitch pre-game on our sister station 1037 wkrm begins at 505 05.
3: yes 505 05. so open opening or pre-game you can get First all the action 635
4: 635 not 620
3: yeah. six it's an hour and 15 minutes the pre-game's an hour and 15 minutes so, so from 505 05 to okay 620 620 okay <laughs> Again, I, you know, was, They didn't tell me math was in this. I'm sorry. You know. he's, he's an English teacher. That's right. I mean, English I, I teach English because I can't add. Hey, there just, we go. just leave it at that. <laughs> <laughs> um,
4: we would be remiss if you didn't give if we did not give you this day in Braves history. I agree. Yes, we've been remiss before. By so the way, so do not be remiss and give us this day in Braves history. April twenty third, nineteen fifty four. At Bush Stadium, Hank Aaron hits the first of his 755 career home runs in his seventh major league game. The Milwaukee outfielder's six-inning solo round tripper comes on a pitch thrown by Cardinal right-hander Vic Rashi in the Braves' 7-6 extra inning victory in St. Louis.
0: Much better outcome than
4: than John Smoltz. John Smoltz's 30,000 strikeout. Yeah, yeah. So... um. That was what is it what's the what's the saying? The journey of a thousand miles begins with a single step? Well you gotta hit one home run to hit seven hundred and fifty five. Huh? That's correct. Yeah. So there was there was the first one by the hammer. Still would like to see the Braves become the Atlanta Hammers. Turn the tomahawk into a sledgehammer. I think we should
0: just be Atlanta hammered. And turn the tomahawk quite, into quite a,
4: quite a few people have. to
0: That's <laughs> what I'm saying. I think and turn the tomahawk into a an arm with a shot glass or a beer spit Just kidding. That is not what I want. Um. Yesterday, I wish I had known this yesterday. But do you know that yesterday was the uh, 16th anniversary of the New York Jets not selecting Warren Sapp in the first round of the NFL draft, and they took that tight end from like. Iowa or whatever, Kyle, something other. If, if it was
4: a tight end, it probably was from Iowa. <laughs> I mean,
0: literally, like I could not tell you the kid's name, but and didn't take Warren app. and didn't take Warren app. and Mel Kiper's just like, well, they must know something nobody else does, or no, they, they no they, don't. No, they didn't, no, they, don't. They, <laughs> they, they they know that they suck and apparently want to stay that way, so
3: they enjoy that first round. We, we like the top yeah, ten they, picks,
0: okay? We <laughs> like the top ten picks. These are these are fun. We live for draft day. It's kind of like the Tennessee Volunteers who live for the off season. We'll talk about that here in a minute. Yeah. Um, last night the Preds did not play, but they did get some help from their friends up in Detroit, as we discussed.
4: <laughs> we kind of talked about that. We we needed a solid from the Red Wings, and we got one. And got it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think,
0: I think the you know. I'm, I'm a little surprised that Detroit is just, isn't tanking at this point. Um, but it is what it is. As Chicago and the Preds take on, take the ice tonight. It'll be up in uh, Chicago, I believe. And it is a 7 p.m. puck drop on Bally Sports South. This not to be, be confused with fox sports so not to be confused uh this is going to be a lot of fun i think uh i think a win tonight really solidifies nashville as the the four seed i don't i think it would be hard for them to lose out or for especially after last night with the dallas loss i think it's going to be difficult for dallas to get into the playoffs um Unless the Preds just collapse. And that's not to say that that couldn't happen, because it certainly could. Uh, This team is as bipolar as (laughs) Jekyll and Hyde, but I think the Preds are making their way
4: to the playoffs. I really do. What happens once they get there? Anybody's guess. (laughs) Could be the Stanley Cup. Could be a first-round sweep.
0: I I don't know. (laughs) Oh. Let's take a quick break. What do you say? Because uh we got David Ubbin waiting on us, and I don't want to keep him waiting. Because this is a this is a really exciting segment we got coming up. So we'll talk UT football with the athletics David Ubbin on the other side of this break on Southern Middle Tennessee Sports Today, presented by Mid Tennessee Bone and Joints. Stick around.
4: If you've listened to this show, you know Chris and I are always down for a good meal.
1: It's Southern Middle Tennessee Sports Today. Once again, with Mo, here's Chris.
0: Welcome back into Southern Middle Tennessee Sports Today, presented by Mid-Tennessee Barn and Joint, coming to you live from the WKOM Front Porch Sports Studios on West 7th. And it's kind of, it's, it's cleared up as far as rain goes. There's no rain falling, so we may get some high school sports in this afternoon. And if so, make sure to get out and support your local high school Baseball, softball, soccer, tennis, whatever's playing. Uh, but yeah, so we appreciate you guys hanging out with us. If you're on Facebook and you are watching and it's cutting in and out, we apologize. When it rains, the internet here gets iffy. Uh, it's just life. Uh, it's it's kind of like having satellite television. It's, it is what it is. But anyway, um, if you did miss any part of the show and you're on, you know, watching on Facebook, maybe you missed a story or whatever we were talking about earlier, the podcast will be up, uh, hopefully before noonish, And you can download it, listen to it, wherever you get your podcast, Apple, Spotify, Deezer, Stitcher, whatever, or just go to our website, sm-tnsports.com. There's a tab there podcast. You can pick if you want to listen to the first hour, the second hour, our special guests. And we have two of those today. So that will be fun. Two of those. Two of those. Double the fun here on Friday. So there you go. One of those special guests is on the Parks Motor Sales Hotline with us right now. Joining us from The Athletic is David Ubbin, who covers Tennessee football, among other things. Uh, David, welcome
4: into the show. We appreciate you joining us.
1: Uh, thanks for having me, guys. I uh, appreciate
4: it. Hey, thank you. Hey, um, David and I crossed paths about a week ago. For the first time, person to person. Although I've been following him on Twitter for quite some time, he probably didn't know it. But um, <laughs> we um, we cross paths up at the Twins commitment the twins. ceremony. The Twins, yeah, capitalized. Is there, is there anybody that doesn't know who we're yeah. talking about when they're we say it's capitalized? Twins? When capital we talk. T, capital T. <laughs> yes, yeah. Destin and Keaton Wade when they announced that they would be signing with Kentucky. Um, David made the trip down and. It's interesting, David. Um, wouldn't have necessarily expected to see a Tennessee football writer attending that commitment ceremony, particularly as it played out.
1: Yeah, well, I think, uh, you know, you guys mentioned it. It's, it's a big deal. And I think uh, you look at uh, across the state, Tennessee has struggled in recruiting in a, in a really crucial year. There's a lot of reasons for that. Uh, you know, getting hired late the dead period they can't have kids on campus they can't go into living rooms that kind of thing um you know they inherited a losing program the NCAA cloud uh, they're hanging over the program there's lots of reasons for why it's happening um but yeah two four stars that are in the mid cities that are mid-state I guess and uh and are going to Kentucky over Tennessee was a pretty interesting story uh so we went out there to talk to them and figure out why uh why that was and, and kinda of look at some of the big picture issues that Tennessee's had uh recruiting in state.
0: Well it it's clear that the reason the two chose Kentucky is because Kentucky was going to give Destin a shot to play quarterback and well Tennessee's got plenty of those.
4: <laughs> and that's kinda
0: of why we wanted to talk to you. <laughs> Tennessee does
4: mm-hmm. Tennessee does have plenty of those and <laughs> and yet And yet. (laughs) And yet they acquired yet another one this week. Um, David, where does Joe Milton fit into the quarterback room for Tennessee under new coach Jason Heifel? Josh. Josh, I'm sorry. Thank you. (laughs) Jason's his younger brother. Yeah,
1: yeah, I mean, I, I think ultimately, you know, they wouldn't use a scholarship on him if they didn't feel confident that he could he could push for the job. And that position is so important. You have to have that right. Uh, and Tennessee has not had that right for quite some time. So I'm not sure you can take too many quarterbacks because it's so important. And using up an extra scholarship, if that means finding a guy or giving a guy another shot, it's, it's probably worth it in the big picture. Um, so, you know, they've had some conversations with him for several weeks. I think you can probably expect that, that one of the quarterbacks on the roster, uh, you know, you'd have to keep an eye on the transfer portal. Uh, you know, when spring ends and the semester ends and they're going into the summer and kind of looking at their future. So I think part of it is preparing for that. Part of it is, you know, I think they're probably a little bit underwhelmed with the quarterback situation. So you want to, you know, bring another body in. And again, I just think it's about prioritizing getting that position right because it's so integral to everything that they want to do.
0: Obviously, this probably has nothing to do with it. I say obviously, probably, because I really don't know the answer to that. His last name is Milton, and Central Florida had a guy named Milton. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I, I guess maybe that's
4: a that's maybe they're just partial to Milton. Maybe they're partial huh? to Milton's. I don't know.
1: <laughs> I had not made that connection, but uh, yeah, maybe maybe that would listen. You gotta you gotta capture magic where you can find it. I
2: suppose.
4: <laughs> you know, uh, David, as you look at you know, the transfer portal, and you look at quarterbacks traditionally and the egos that those guys bring, again, you you have to feel like everybody that's in that quarterback room right now is not going to be there when they reconvene in August. I mean, and you've already brought in one transfer at that spot, the kid from Virginia Tech. I mean, do you – it's, I guess it's a calculated risk when you start messing with, you know, the the balance in there. I, I know I, obviously you've got to get that position right, but what if you're running off the guy that gets it right? Well, I mean, ultimately you just, you you have to
1: find a guy. And, it, you know, I, I think, you know, if there's hurt feelings or somebody leaves, you know, they've had enough practices at this point that if, if somebody – was running away with it they probably would have come close to, to making that clear at this point I think and I, it's still pretty close you know from from what I understand of, of where spring practice is so I think uh I mean I, I kind of get what you're saying but ultimately whether that's hurt feelings or somebody leaving that hasn't established themselves it's just too important and if Milton's the guy you know he'll have a chance to prove that this summer if Cooker's the guy and he can make a step you know that'll be good for them and i think ultimately if you have somebody whoever it is it really doesn't matter that's putting up big numbers well that that position is going to start to recruit itself i mean again it, you just can't under, you can't overstate the the impact of finding a quarterback that can run this offense make some plays and be your trigger man and and make this offense as explosive as it, as it needs to be for one your whole program needs that <laughs> To, to win games and to win the way that they want to win. For two, I mean, obviously, you got to be able to move the ball. And like I said, to be able to recruit, you know, you're selling this offense. You're selling, uh, you know, being able to throw the ball all over the place. And if you have somebody that's doing that on the field, it gets a lot easier because you can just point to, hey, we did this. We're doing this. We think you're even better than this guy. Come take us to the next level. And if you don't have that, it becomes tougher to sell.
0: Yeah, there's no Peyton Manning without Heath Shuler. I mean, if that's – so I, you're exactly right. But also, why is it not Harrison Bailey? Why are you – if you're in the situation you're in, and you're in a – you are in the situation Tennessee is in with the NCAA cloud, with the late holdover, with – or the late hire, why is it not lose now with the guy you think can win in the future? If you're going to lose, you might as well lose for the future
1: yeah I mean in theory but if that's your guy for the future I mean they've rolled all three of those guys in with all you know all sorts of groups and everything I hear at the moment is that, that Harrison Bailey is not has not really captured that starting job it, it looks like Hooker with a negative lead or being I mean, with a, a narrow lead right now and so again if, if that's one thing I, I think in theory you're right but the guy has to win the job he has to prove himself and to this point Harrison Bailey has not done that and I think You'd love for him to do it if you're a Tennessee fan, if you're a Tennessee staff. Uh, all those guys have had opportunities. No one has really taken the torch and run away with it. If he can, he can, and, and then you are kind of playing for the future a little bit. But, uh, you know, if that's not the case, if it's not happening, you can't really
0: force it. Well, that's what we need, more practice All-Americans. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. I, 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 I am a Tennessee fan and I'm getting very angry, and I'm not at, not at you, but it's just a situation where I'm sick and tired of hearing that people are practicing better than a guy who we brought in to be the guy. And Alabama did this in 2005 with Brody Krull, and they lost in 2005, and they lost in 2006, and then they decided to win. In two thousand seven, by losing with John Parker Wilson, and then they win a national championship two years later. So this is my problem: is that we're not playing for the future, and we already stink. So why are we playing with transfer quarterbacks? It doesn't make any sense.
1: Well, I, I would say to the to the to the point that that uh, you know. Um, that that you were making there, there may have been another influence there in Alabama winning a national championship besides the quarterback spot. <laughs>
0: I just I because just, Nick Saban was smart enough to lose for the future in two thousand seven when he lost to Louisiana Monroe.
1: <laughs> if that's you have my a point. Guy that
0: you believe it. If you have a guy that you
1: believe in, and you think that's the guy, I think so. I mean, certainly Josh Heupel was going to handle the quarterbacks very, very differently than than Jeremy Pruitt did. Whoever wins this job, you know, unless he is turning the ball over every other position or gets hurt, I don't think you're going to see that shift. I think you're going to see them, hey, this is our guy. We're rolling with him. Whereas Jeremy Pruitt, it was like, well, whoever performs best in practice this week is the quarterback. He sort of treated quarterbacks as every other position. Josh Hattel's not going to do that. I think they want their quarterback to be the leader, so the, the the guy that, that everything goes with. And if you if, if Harrison Day is that guy, then he's that guy. But if you don't believe he's the guy for the future, then building for that future, you know, doesn't really make sense. And, and Joe Milton, if he's that guy, he's got three years left. And maybe he's your guy that you say we think he's going to be something uh, and maybe it's not going to be great immediately, but we like him in the future, and maybe that's your guy. But to this point, you know, it doesn't sound like Harrison Bailey has done much to establish himself um, as the guy that the staff thinks can be the future of that position at Tennessee, and you, you can't force that, you know. They didn't recruit him. They inherited him. They can't really, you know, he's on the roster here, and, and, you know, people obviously have divergent opinions about him, but you can't force it if it's not there. And just because he's got eligibility left and just because he plays and gets a ton of experience doesn't necessarily mean he's going to make the leap. You know, Jared Carantino played a lot of football at Tennessee. He never really made the leap. And, you know, recruiting stars are one thing, and expectations and eligibility and all those things are are all fine and good. But if a guy – Doesn't become the guy. You can't just force it. You can't just find a quarterback. I think that's where Tennessee is is at. They just have not been able to find anybody um, since Josh Dobbs left that that can be a consistent playmaker. I think the offense under Jerry Pruitt, the way that it was designed, all those things was a factor. Um, But certainly, right now, you have a better offense that's more conducive to to quarterbacks making plays. And you got to figure out who your trigger man is going to be. And I think Tennessee. Still uncertain about that. and I don't think we're going to get much certainty until, you know, Kansas is well underway. I, I, I just, there wasn't really a quarterback competition this spring. I mean, there was. You're being graded. Everybody kind of sees what's happening, but they're just trying to get guys reps and get guys learning and, and make sure everybody gets a shot with a bunch of different people. They're rotating quarterbacks. All those guys got work with ones, twos, and threes. The quarterback competition in earnest will start in the fall, and I think we'll get a better feel for for kind of where things stand.
4: Speaking on the Parks Motor Sales Hotline with David Ubbin of The Athletic, who covers, as Chris said, Tennessee football, among other things. Um, David, the fact that you've got a quarterback who's not competing this spring, how much does that complicate the situation? Um, Is it Caden Salter who's suspended?
1: Uh, yeah, I mean, you, you, if he's your quarterback and he's going to be the leader of your program, you need him to make good decisions, and that's not a great sign for his future. Really talented guy, um, a guy with a lot of promise, made a lot of plays in Texas. But, you know, if you can't even stay on the practice field, that's a problem. And I think, you know, it, it says a little bit about where your head is at if you're coming in and you know, you're supposed to still be in high school, you're a young kid, but you're concerning yourself with with stuff and get involved in stuff where football is not the key concern, putting yourself in really bad situations. So not a great sign uh, for for his for his future prospects. He's got a lot of time to turn it around. But at this point, when you haven't been in practice and you're a true freshman, you don't have a lot of experience. Tough to to expect a ton from him in his first year.
0: Yeah, I'm not wrong there. Uh, any chance that? Uh... This this Tennessee defense has an opportunity to carry this team, or is it still in shambles with the transfer portal taking its toll?
1: Uh, <laughs> I mean, depth is going to be an issue. It just is. They just uh, they're going to be thin on bodies uh, all over the place. There's nowhere where they feel you know super super good um, where you can feel like, hey. Uh, you know we have got a bunch of guys that can that can play, and and we go six deep at some position. That's just not where Tennessee is at right now.
4: Shifting gears just a second, David. Um, are you surprised at the talk about receiver Josh Palmer as a as a potential second day pick in next week's NFL draft?
1: No. <laughs> I mean, I think you watch him and you see the opportunities that he got. He made most of them. He's a really, really talented player. He looked the part. But, you know, I think that, that he leads his career at Tennessee, if I'm not mistaken, without a 500-yard receiving season. I, I think that's the offense's fault. <laughs> I don't think that's his fault. You know, uh, in terms of never being able to really sort out the quarterback spot, uh, never really, you know, having an explosive offense, when they threw the ball to him down the field, I mean, we saw it in the Georgia game, saw it in the Alabama game. He made some plays. Uh, great, great player. Top of my list of guys that are going to be a lot better pro than they will be a college player.
0: That makes sense. I, for
4: all the reasons you pointed out. It's, yeah, it, I mean, It's
0: hard to show how good you are at receiver if, if you, you don't, don't have, have somebody you know.
4: throwing it to yep. you. <laughs> it's funny how that works. I
0: mean,
1: the, I think the quarterback spot, the offense, all of it, it all kind of works together, and – he didn't have those
0: things. Yeah, five five stars on the front line, but hey, <laughs> sorry again. You like you said, stars mean nothing when it gets to, when when it comes to the southeastern conference. You can throw stars out the window. Oh man, man, good stuff from 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 David this morning. We appreciate your time and and, and look forward to talking to you in the future because this is certainly something that our listeners. Are passionate about, including some of the hosts on this show. At least one. (laughs) And here's the thing: is I I, look, I gave up Tennessee football sixteen years ago, and as 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 a live and die, you know, fan. But it's just frustrating when you hear the same stuff over and over. And even if you're not a fan, it's like, are you serious? Like, can you keep quit telling me the same thing over and over? So it is what it is, but uh, I I do look forward to seeing how this plays out and talking to you more about it over the course of Josh Heupel's career at uh, Tennessee.
1: Yeah, I think it's going to be interesting to see see how this plays (laughs) out. I just think, you know, I I think he faces maybe uh, the steepest uphill climb of any Tennessee coach, you know, since the former era came to an end um it just it's it's asking a lot of him you know with the NCAA cloud with the numbers that he inherited I mean we literally have never seen a transfer exodus like this anywhere I mean you look at you know on the back half of the the Sandusky scandal at Penn State and the NCAA gave him a free transfer they lost a small fraction of what Tennessee lost this year and I think the number that I always go to is if you look at the depth chart from the Texas A&M game 11 guys that's a quarter of your depth chart, plus a kicker who was hurt, are gone. Uh, I think seven or eight of those guys are signed with Power 5 programs, and Quaveris Crouch and Henry Tozo are still in the portal, and I'm sure they'll end up at a Power 5 program somewhere. That's just that's, – that's a talent exodus that we have never seen in this sport. Uh, and so God, Godspeed to Josh Heupel. <laughs>
0: Josh, not Jason. Either one of them. Yeah. If they're anywhere near the program, exactly. <laughs> oh man, thanks so much, David Ubbin of the of the Athletic joining us on the Parks Motor Sales hotline. We appreciate you, man.
1: Thank you, guys.
0: All right, we are going to take a break, and when we come back, there's some NASCAR to talk about. We'll see if we can get T. Willie on the line. If we can't, that's okay. We'll we'll talk about NASCAR and more on Southern Middle Tennessee Sports Day, presented by Mid-Tennessee Bon & Joint. Stick around. Hey, folks. While we take a quick break from the show, I want to tell you about our friends over at Custom Stone Handlers in downtown Columbia. Ned Rich and his team at Custom Stone Handlers believe in leadership. And outside of the military, our greatest leader-building platform is sports. Custom Stone Handlers proudly encourages young people to get in the game You can contact them today at 931-490-4990 or visit customstonehandlers.com.
1: Tennessee sports today, the sports talk show you've always wanted.
0: Welcome back into Southern Middle Tennessee sports day presented by mid Tennessee bone and joint 13 minutes to the top of the hour here coming to you live from the front porch sports studios here in Columbia, Tennessee. Time to get T Willie talking NASCAR. Cause it's Talladega weekend and we're so pumped because Last week was the most boring race in the history of racing, and that's saying something.
4: <laughs> you yes, didn't like is. Martinsville? It was Richmond. Oh, you didn't like a Richmond? No. Awful. The
2: only, the only thing, good thing was Denny Hamlin still didn't win.
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You know, I was kind of rooting for Denny, but only because of the FedEx thing, and that's you know we won't get into it. But yeah, that that, that don't do nothing
2: for me. I can't help it. And, he, <laughs> and he's been, and he's favored again this week, and uh, and he probably won't win either. But well, you never know. That, there's forty guys that have a shot to win this weekend,
0: right? I mean, when you're talking super speedways, you're talking it could be anybody on any given day. So yep, uh, should be. We we are talking about the uh the largest super speedway in the world.
4: The superest super the speedway. The superest yeah. of the
0: super speedways. <laughs> Talladega.
2: 2. 6, yep, two point six six miles. Right,
0: Talladega, 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 or if you're Larry McReynolds, Talladega. And That's he's, right. he's the only one who's allowed to say that, by the way.
2: He's yeah, it. I've worked I've worked down there for the past twenty years doing rides and pit tours, so this will be the uh well I missed last year, but this will be the first race regular spring race that I've missed since then. So but uh I enjoyed it, but uh time to move on. <laughs> I hear
0: you. You know, Denny is starting inside row one. Yep. Um how important is it on these super speedways to start
4: out front?
2: It's not. It, has not, it doesn't have no bearing on <laughs> on how you finish the race. Because if you remember, for years, guys like Tony Stewart and uh, Matt Kenseth, they would be up front. But when the race started, ten laps in, they were in twenty-fifth through thirtieth, so they could avoid the big wrecks. I was
0: about to say, what is the most important part about uh, about winning Talladega?
2: Finishing, yeah. So avoiding the wrecks. Quite honestly, that's that's numeral uno. Uh, at the end of the and at the end, you need to have partners. And uh, that's, that's the Toyota problem right now. You got. There are only four cars. You got, you got Kyle Bush, you got Denny Hamlin, Martin Truex. They're all great drivers, uh, but they all want to win. They don't care if the other guy wins. And uh, that's kind of the difference. Like the Ford guys, they kind of stick together Logano and Keselowski and even Blaney. And uh, they've all won there. And uh, Keselowski has probably been the most, I think, is a. Uh, the most time winner there, but, uh, and then if you remember the Chevys a few years ago, they hooked up, decided to run together and they, they won races that way. So it's going to at the, the last 10, you know, you can fall asleep till the last 10 races, turn it on and you won't have missed a thing other than a wreck here and there. But, uh, the real race and start at the end and quite honestly, probably the last two or three laps, uh, if you're in the top 20 with two to go, you got a shot to win.
4: Yeah, because it's five even, miles.
2: Even, listen to this. Even Bubba Wallace has a chance to win. I,
0: again, because it's a super speedway. Everybody has if a chance you, to win. Heck, if you finish if the you, race, you got a chance to win. <laughs> I mean, that's, yeah. that's just how if it you goes. On,
2: when you, on your wheels, not on your roof, you got a good shot to win the race. Even <laughs> sideways, you never know what's going to happen. So. But uh, I, I I got a feeling the Dave, Dave Blaney, listen to me, Ryan Blaney, uh, I got <laughs> I'm thinking of his dad who I watched for years but um, if I had to pick one I would pick him but uh and it's just you could put like I said all 40 names in a hat pull out any anybody's name and they got a legitimate shot to win. This is a track where drivers win who may never win again. That's just the way it is. It, you know, Daytona's kind of gotten that way too. So but uh it's a crap shoot but I think uh, I think Dave Ryan Blaney, maybe his middle name's Dave. I don't know. Ryan Blaney is <laughs> would be my choice if I had to pick one. <laughs>
0: oh man Damn. did did you happen to see the uh, the i racing
2: event with eight year old Keelan
0: Harvick involved? Uh, you know, I just saw
2: a little bit of it. I have uh, i racing is not my favorite poor, passion. Poor they kid kind of was involved in a
0: pretty early wreck.
2: No Keselowski won. But iRacing kind of tried to ruin the sport last year, so I don't even want to talk about iRacing.
0: <laughs> well, it was it was funny to watch the 8-year-old Keelan Harvick. Uh,
2: <laughs> and and you, you never know. I mean, that, he, he's that young, but I'll tell you, those sons of, of race car drivers, and, uh, I mean, he grew up in the sport. Uh, he's young now, but don't, don't be surprised if you see him at some point come up. Uh, it's not as easy as, like, a Dale Jr. did it. Like Mark Martin's son, if you remember, for years was racing, uh, and he never really progressed to that point. Chase Elliott is really one of the rare exceptions to really grow up racing like his dad did and wind up uh, you know, being a, a cup champion. That's, that's rare. Dale Jr. wasn't able to do it. Davey but, uh, Allison Dave, uh, yep. is a great and example.
0: Davey, and speaking Davey of Davey Allison.
2: Um, Dave, Davey Allison would have been a champion at one point, I do believe. No doubt. So, um, yep.
0: Speaking of Davy Allison, the 28 yep. Texaco car will be running this weekend yes. at Talladega or Talladega,
2: and it'll have the paint scheme. Obviously, it won't. I don't believe it it's Texaco, but it will have that paint scheme on it. It's one of the Rick Ware Racing uh, vehicles. I can't remember offhand which one, but uh, but yeah, it'll be neat to see that. I tell you, the crowd will go crazy uh, for that. And the crowd will go crazy for Bubba Wallace. I mean, he's a Alabama, he's a Montgomery, Alabama native. So Mobile. They, they have, Mobile. Mobile. I'm sorry. But uh, they actually, you know, they like him down there. And, uh, of course, uh, the Bushers will get booed. Keselowski will get booed. The normal people will get booed. But they're usually the ones that win the races.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I believe it's uh, Joey Gase is going to run the twenty eight, and it will have a paint scheme similar to the Texaco, but it will be for organ donors. Yeah, and yeah. That's one of the yeah, one of that. the big things that Davy. When Davy was killed in the helicopter crash, he was an organ donor, and that was a yep. big deal. Uh, so this is something that kind of ties back to him. And you're right, he Joey Gase will get a very uh, robust uh, ovation. Yeah, I'm,
2: I'm- Unfortunately, he's probably one of the rare exceptions who doesn't can't, have a Who win. can't win?
0: <laughs>
2: <Yeah>. <laughs> and the sad thing is, my buddy David Power is a gas man for Rick Ware, so he usually gets. And they uh, they tried. Oh, one of the uh, the Burtons is running his first one. Uh, one of the younger guys. It's uh, Harrison Burton, I believe. Harrison Burton, would be his first Cup race at uh, at Talladega. Um, What's her name? Uh, Jennifer Joe Cobb was trying to, but NASCAR put a stop to her because she has not uh you, you know, you gotta qualify for the super speedways and then you gotta maintain that. You gotta race that and you gotta finish on a you know, so in so many lead lap races and I think out of like seventy she's done it twice. So she's uh didn't they kind of pulled her super speedway card on her this week. So she will not be making her debut, but uh, Harrison Burton. Uh, the son of Ward Burton will be no. He's she's the son of he's the son of Jeff Burton. I'm sorry, will be making his start.
0: Yeah, the Burtons and Burlesons.
2: <laughs> yeah, bunch just, of both. Uh, just a bunch of them. Uh. One of the yeah, there's four of them. You know, the two the two Ward and Jeff, obviously, who don't race anymore. Harrison and Jeb Burton are the two sons. Uh, so I mean, they're they're a good family and they'll they'll do well. But like I said, if I had to guess and it's all it is is going to be a guest, will be um, Will be Ryan, uh, Ryan Blaney. Hey, I got it right. Hey, and uh, Sunday morning at 1130 on 101.7, I'll have my pre-race show, and I've got some, uh, I got some audio clips from Austin Dillon, Brad Keselowski, and William Byron. Uh, so make sure you tune in at 1130. Uh, we will join the PRN or MRN crew at uh, noon, and then the race will start at, I believe, 1 o'clock our time.
0: There so, you have it. Super excited for Talladega as always. It is always one of my favorites. It is the only NASCAR Cup race I have ever attended. So it. well, you need you need to go to Nashville. Uh well, I would, but I will be busy. Uh, I so got you. It's unfortunate. I understand that. We appreciate it. And uh, before we get, let you get out of here, uh, we need to get silly with T. Willie. So uh, hit us with one of your famed jokes. Hey, uh,
2: what? What kind of lumber did Noah use to build the ark? If he bought it today, he can't afford it. <laughs> no. But you know what kind he used? I had no
0: idea. He used two-by-twos. Oh, that's good. That's good. T. Willie, thanks for joining us here on Southern Middle Tennessee Sports down the park's murder sounds hotline. We'll talk to you later. Bye-bye. Oh, man, that's funny. Andrew, have you enjoyed your time today? Turn Andrew on. What's up? Have you enjoyed your time today? Oh, I had a great time, just learning all the all the things. Yeah. You excited for draft day? I am excited for draft. Who day. Who should the Titans take?
2: They need a cornerback. I know a lot of people want wide receiver because we went cornerback early last year. I just do not like the lineup after Janoris no, Jenkins. Moore? If he's there, I don't know what's going to happen after ten. Things could. Just go crazy after the 10th <laughs> pick. Okay, so I,
4: so Chris said, who should the Titans take? Who will the Titans take?
2: God, I'm hoping uh, Farley, cornerback. After, uh, was that Virginia Tech, I believe, is yeah. where he. Of course, everyone's scared of the back injury, but we kind of struck gold just two years ago, taking Jeffrey Simmons, who was injured right mm-hmm. in the middle of draft day. So, we'll see. Caleb Farley, that's my pick.
4: You like him better than the Northwestern? Cornerback,
2: just a little bit more. I think Caleb Farley might be the best all-around cornerback in the draft this year. All right,
0: there you go. So we'll see. If they go corner, that's where they're going. If he's available, if. But as, as Andrew just said, after ten, it could blow up. Who knows what? Who what? Who knows what's going to mm-hmm. happen? So anyway, there you have it. Come back with us on Monday. Uh, Mo will be in studio for three days next week. So. Make sure to check out the first three days after that. I can't help uh, pod, you. Podcasts will be available on sm-tnsports.com. Plenty of stories available as well. Make sure to check those out, sm-tnsports.com. Follow us on Twitter at sm sports For Coach Mike, Andrew Moore, and Maurice Patton, I'm Chris Yowsting. Have a great day and weekend, and stay cool, Columbia.